Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Do I get a microphone for this question period? Oh, look, my microphone's over there. And then uh, do we want people to get up or am I just going to run the room? Oh, look, there's the microphone right there. Look at that. Thank you to our lovely assistant. So uh, step up to the microphone. Uh, You can address either Brian. Uh, I'm I'm sure they'll both love to stand up here. Uh, If you have any, you know, fruit on your table or vegetables, feel free to throw those at them as well. Here they are again, Brian and Brian. Thank you, Brian and Brian. And uh, Brian uh, Wickers, I-, I would ask you the question. Oh, I'm, I'm Ruth Alzinga, sorry. Um, Brian, just for the uh, information of people who may not be aware, I am aware, because well, he's a former board member, but you talk about the education fund. And I think, unless you give a little more explanation, uh, I think it would be helpful, okay. because not everybody makes the NHL, and exactly. yet it's very astute and, and wise for there to be something to fall back on. So if you could just round that out a bit for the audience, please, Brian. I will, for sure. So obviously when we draft players into the Lethbridge Hurricanes family, um, there's a responsibility placed on the Lethbridge Hurricanes that education is the number one priority. So when they sign their, their agreement with the, with the Lethbridge Hurricanes, there's an education component in, in that contract. So when their hockey career is done for every year that they've played in the WHL, we would pay one year's tuition for them at whatever school that they go to. It's usually based on their home province. So if you're somebody in Alberta that's signing a contract with us, usually they pick the University of Alberta. So you would have that, I think it's $8,500 is the tuition fee. So when they're done their hockey career, they can go to school, and we've built this fund so we can pay for their schooling, right? It's, it's our responsibility. So it's always after hockey. What's great about these young kids, though, is when hockey's not for them anymore, they can still play hockey. They can go to university and still play hockey or college. So, you know, they end up getting some scholarship money. Plus, they'll get money from the Lethbridge Hurricanes to to help with their tuition. So it's definitely a responsibility of the hockey club and every WHL franchise. But we're probably one of the only people that that have that fund that's that's funded for what is needed usually. So, and that's... Thanks, Ruth. And Oki's got a needs a big round of applause for the work that he's done in helping us uh, get that fund to where it needed to be. And we appreciate your hard work, Oki, with that. I, I just want to follow up because so, so there's a formula, quite honestly, that Oki was incredibly impactful on developing. So so right now, and I, I just went through this this week. Um, uh, our our entire liability uh, is just right around a million dollars right now. Actually, just shy of a million dollars. Um, that's a liability. But just to expand a little bit on what Brian said, um, when a player signs a professional contract, we're no longer liable. So if he signs to play in the NHL or the American League, he voids his education agreement because it just can't be ongoing to junior hockey operators like ourselves. But until he does that, he's a liability to us. And so through Oki, quite honestly, we developed a a policy and a formula that said we would have 50% of our liability funded at all times. So right now we've got somewhere in the neighborhood of $585,000 in a a special fund, and it's frozen, and the only time that can be withdrawn is is, uh, uh, if we ever had to pay an education liability that we did not have the funds for. 
Um, but what we generally do, as Brian talked about during his presentation, is the hockey hounds raise enough money annually to cover all of our education expenses, the players that are going to university and the players that are here in, you know, with us this year. So last year cost us about $130,000 for education. The hockey hounds raised about $130,000, so we didn't have to dip into that fund that uh, Oki helped us create. So, Bob Adams. I know, Brian, a few people out there are concerned right now. You know, it's been, like you said earlier, we missed the playoffs for three or four years. But I think maybe you should uh, explain to a few people, too, that what it takes to get a young player here, because we forget most of the time that these kids are all 16 and 17. They're still kids, a lot of them. And, you know, and how we pick them up at 14 years old in a draft, you know, and it's a crapshoot at the best of the time. So how do you, you know pick a good kid or something like that, you know, and build good teams. Um, thanks, Bob. Uh, a detailed process. We've got 12 scouts that work for us on, a, on an honorarium basis um, throughout Western Canada and the Western United States. Um, so they're not paid employees. They all most likely get no, no more than $1,000 a year but spend hours and hours and hours in rinks. They do get their expenses covered. Um, and so the evaluation of the players is detailed. It's very professional today. Um, it's all in an online database uh, managed centrally out of, uh, out of uh, Ontario. Uh, however, the, uh, the information that we enter is confidential to us only. So we enter a, a inf information or opinions on, a, on, a, on the skill package a player in Lethbridge offers. The other teams that subscribe to the system don't get access to our information. So our scouts, uh, led by Brad Robson, accumulate all this data. They sit down and, and, and three times a year and rank all these players. And we go to the draft and, and do the best we can. And as Bob said, you know, sometimes you, 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 you made a good decision and, and sometimes uh, that decision doesn't pan out. I truly believe, and I did this for a long time, that every organization makes the best decision on that day. But it's a projection. And three years later, oh boy, boy, man, that's not what we thought we were going to get. And so that happens, okay? But, you know, I think uh, Brad's uh, rec track record is very impressive. And the second thing I just want to follow up on is that um, we're still, you know, what we decided to do four years ago by building through the draft, um, those players are still only 17 years old in our t on our team. Okay, so, so it's a process to, to, to watch a kid at 14 pick him. He doesn't come to you the next year, okay? As a 16-year-old, one or two of them might be with you. As a 17-year-old, four or five of them will come in, okay? But they really don't become impactful major junior players until they're 18, 19, and 20. And so we're still in that phase. We believe, you know, our record today should be better than it is right now. We'd hope for a better start, but we are still believing that we've got great players I don't know if you were at the game last night, but you saw Reed Duke. Reed Duke was the best player in the ice by far. He's only 16 year, 17 years old, okay? Um, Ryan Pilon, who, who isn't even draft eligible until next year, was sick again last night. Um, th these kids are great players, uh, but they're only 16 and 17 still. And uh, they are going to, we believe, take us to, to, uh, to uh, a very good record here over the next three to four years. Hi there. My name's... My name is Dan Kordakowski, and uh, I moved to Lethbridge in the year 1995 and uh, have been a Hurricanes fan 
ever since. Uh, the last approximate six years, I've been a season ticket holder and recently converted my fiance to go into the games as well. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, my question to you is this, is that uh, I notice a trend year after year where it's promised that the Hurricanes are going to be a team to be reckoned with, team to make the playoffs, whatever. But I was very impressed when I talked to Drake Barahowski and I explained to him that I'm a longtime fan and he just politely told me, he says, well, it's our goal to make the playoffs. So I, I think without putting too much high expectations on yourself, I'd rather see that than false promises. Right. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. But I think you have to create expectations. And, and uh, we've been in this process for four years now, and, and we have to change the expectation uh, on our team. And, and the players have to now be here expecting and, and performing to play in the playoffs. Uh, we've gone through this process. We have to change that expectation. Uh, Terry Shillington, thank you for your uh, presence and uh, information you brought. Uh, this is a question that I insist that Brian answer. Um, um, uh, a rumor that circulates around, especially when the team is losing, is one I'd uh, invite you to comment on, and that is that one of the reasons a uh, community-run team um, uh, tends to be a losing team is that the board members mess around with the uh, coaching and uh, interfere with the on-ice product. And Would you care to comment on that? I, I think that rumor can be heard in Medicine Hat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> board of Directors has absolutely no involvement with uh, coaching decisions or day-to-day or -day hockey operations decisions. Quite honestly, we have no involvement at, uh, at the uh, draft table. Um, I, I can tell you that uh, I've been the president, I think, for nine years. Um, I have been in the coach's office six times uh, total in that nine years. And five of those times were in one year. Okay? So in the other eight years, I've been in the coach's office one time and, and during, the, during the season. Um, and so, so that's, it just isn't a fact. Uh, we, we hire who we believe are professionals. They're very good at what they do. Um, they don't always win. Uh, but uh, the board really isn't interested in, in, in that sort of involvement. My name is Graham Greenlee. You probably thought you were going to get this question. Uh, what is your opinion on fighting? Um, I, I, I can't understand why, why it is allowed in, in the game. It's, I think it's the only sport where it's still allowed. I've heard it said that that's how they get rid of their frustrations. But hockey is such a fast, hard-hitting, uh, slam-bang game all the time anyway. It seems to me there should be more than ample opportunity for players to get rid of their frustrations uh, without fighting. Um, I'm, a, I'm actually of the same opinion you are. At junior, in the junior hockey level, I don't believe hockey, uh, fighting should be a part of our game. I believe that very shortly you're actually going to see it uh, be removed from uh, junior hockey. I don't think it's uh, going to be removed soon at the professional level. Um, but uh, in junior hockey, I think very soon you're going to see it removed. Uh, in, in the sense that it may happen, but those players will be suspended, uh, removed from the game uh, for that game, and then, you know, an accumulation type thing. But uh, I, I don't believe it has a fit. 
in our game, and I, I think it's going to go by the wayside here pretty quick. Yes, uh, my name's Fred Baxter, uh, and my wife, Dorothy, we've been uh, season ticket holders now for eight years since moving to Lethbridge. Uh, first of all, I'd like to address Dylan for his fine uh, uh, commentary on Wednesday morning's paper. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, the next point I have is, and I'm, I'm not sure this is in your domain, but uh, we find the music in the NMAX very, very loud. Now, there are a lot of seniors in that building, and uh, I don't know if you have any way of controlling this or not, but it would be appreciated if you could. It's, uh, we hear that on a regular basis, and uh, Terry is here. Uh, I'm not going to throw him under the bus here. Um, it's about finding a balance, you know, like, like we have a broad demographic of fans, um, absolutely, and it's about finding a balance um, and, and trying to uh, keep everybody happy. And, and, and honestly, most nights we'd love to keep 5,000 people happy, we're usually trying to keep 3,000 people happy, but we'd love to be trying to keep 5,000 people happy. And so uh, there, is a, there is actually a solution, um, but it most likely isn't achievable. We actually have the ability in the building to control the volume by section. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's true. We do. And, and so we've, we've actually thought about saying, okay, we're going to sell tickets in this section and we're going to turn the volume down. And so, and so if you want to sit in a quiet part of the building, you have to buy, you have to buy a ticket in section H, for instance. And we've actually thought about that because we could do that because if you've seen all the speakers are up there individually, we could, turn them, we could set the volume on them individually. So... <laughs> Just to Sorry. add to the fighting, uh, I was at the game last night, and yeah. there was no fighting that right I on. saw. Yeah, it's going away. And it, it's going to go away because it's just becoming socially unacceptable, but it's also a, a, an injury risk. And, and the whole liability thing of what's going on with injuries today is, is a major issue. So. Uh, Brian's and Dylan. My name is, my name is Eric Large. My wife and I and our family are season ticket holders and have been, I think, for five years. Uh, I have to admit, I went last night. I, I'm sorry I missed the game. I went to the Flames game. And if you think the music and the noise in the NMAX is bad, you should have been in the Saddle Dome last night. My ears are still ringing. So. Uh, seriously, my question has to do with the $2.5 million renovation. And I'm, I'm a little unclear about the obligation. I mean, we, we all paid a surcharge on it on I think any tickets when we went to an event at the uh, at the NMAX whether it was a hockey game or a, a concert was that going to the city or the the club or and and how much does is are the hurricanes still on the hook for so the uh, the, uh, the, the enhancement fee that's on every ticket whether it's a hurricane game or a concert is is city revenue um, uh, so the, the Hurricanes made a two and a half million dollar commitment uh, over 15 years to pay that and to pay that over 15 years. This, the NMAX Center 
And I don't know what the total city commitment was, to be quite honest with you, but I know that the NMEX Center has to repay $7 million over 15 years, okay? So they have to earn $7 million and pay that back to the city. So in essence, in my opinion, the taxpayers of, of Lethbridge paid very little for the improvement to the building, okay? True tax money, because the NMEX Center is obligated to pay, repay that money. So, so their revenue source... Um, and so, so the, the other thing is the total bill was somewhere in the neighborhood of $37 million. Significant, but in my opinion, great money spent. Um, uh, uh, I got my notes there. I'm going to hand me my notes because I, I am prepared for this. Um, so the, the NMAX Center is required to repay the city of Lethbridge $7 million. Um, and uh, but based on my calculation... Their, their gro gross revenue-generating potential annually as a result of the renovation is $781,000 a year. That's their gross earning potential, okay, as a, as a result of the renovation. Things that were not in place prior to the renovation, $781,000 in gross earning opportunity, okay? As a result of the renovation... The Lethbridge Hurricanes have zero revenue opportunity increase. Zero. Not, not one seat was added to the building, okay? Not one additional spot to place a sign that we sell, okay? And so our only revenue sources are for the advertising we sell in the building and the seats we have, okay? So when we agreed to make this renovation, and Oki was very involved, we, we were not foolish, we outlined in a letter to the city in, in, in August 2000, October 2006, this is what we would do, and this is how it would be paid back. And, uh, you know, quite bluntly, uh, uh, the city, I don't even know if the city looked at that letter and had taken it into zero consideration. Um, and so we've gone through a negotiation period primarily in the last year to try and get this worked out. And uh, so... so in that letter was some guaranteed revenue sources that would be a, would be credited to the hurricane's uh, commitment of $2.5 million. Um, and uh, <coughs> that letter seemed to have gotten lost at City Hall. Um, so, so we went through a negotiation here for the last year, and I'll be honest with you. The Lethbridge Hurricanes assumed we identified new sources of revenue for us that they did not had not previously identified, and we took 100% of the risk, okay? We had to put people in the building to get the money for us to pay the building. That was the only way we agreed that the only way we would get any money is if people were in the building. So basically what it was is that we were going to get something for every person that entered the building, not even tickets sold, okay? And there was to be a head count every night, and we would get credit, and the money would come out from, from basically – Concession money. We took 100% of the risk, and we can't get them to sign off on it. And in the 2006 letter, there was clearly defined revenue sources that they, are now ha they now have, okay, that, that, that were supposed to be credited to us, and they said they couldn't make it work. And, uh, and uh, their biggest problem is... is, uh, is it's not with the elected officials. It's, it's, uh, it's with administration. And we, we absolutely know for a fact that they presented a budget to council for approval, and council approved it, and they didn't have a lease with us. 
So, so like, how can you how can you present a budget for a, for a facility without a lease? Like, it's absolutely mind-boggling to me uh, as a business person. But that's what they did, and so now they're hooped in. They're tied into this budget, and they're trying to make this work by 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 uh, not affecting their budget. And in my opinion, they should be held accountable for presenting a budget to council to pre- to approve without having a lease. And it's it's mind-boggling, but I don't blame, quite honestly, the elected guys. I blame the guys that are, are permanently at City Hall because it's mind-boggling to me. Thank you. <laughs> my name is Knut Peterson. Uh, am I allowed to two questions, moderator? <laughs> okay. Uh, one question deals with, uh, there's been a rumor going around the city for quite a lot of years, I think, uh, a group of people would like to buy the hurricanes. Uh, that's one question, if you can address that. Uh, the other question deals with uh, when a player signs a pro contract, does any money come back to the hurricanes from that deal, whatever deal they sign? Second question first, um, easiest one to answer. Uh, the, uh, when a player is drafted, we actually get the money. He doesn't have to sign a contract. So uh, the entire Canadian Hockey League has a uh, agreement with the NHL that we get paid development money. Uh, we get a lump sum per year. The Hurricanes get $65,000 a year of guaranteed money from the NHL. And then over and above that, for every player that gets drafted – Depends on where they get drafted. So a first-round NHL draft pick, and it's every year it's a little bit different because it's based on a formula, it would be between twenty dollars and $25,000. A second rounder might be $18,000, and a third rounder, so forth, it drops down pretty dramatically. So that's how we get paid for, for players that we develop, um, not based on them signing. So if they don't pan out for the NHL team, we've already been paid. Uh, so, so regarding, you know, yes, uh, there's always rumors that somebody locally wants to buy the hockey team. Um, I can stand here and say emphatically that the, the board of directors uh, have never received an offer uh, from any party um, to, buy, to, to buy the hockey team. Um, we know that there is a lot of interest in buying this hockey team, quite honestly, uh, from parties in Lethbridge and beyond Lethbridge. Um, uh, but I'll say that there's... Uh, there's far more par- parties that want to buy this hockey team than what make it uh, public knowledge. Um, if this team ever came up for sale, it would be sold in a heartbeat. Uh, it's an attractive market, great building now. Um, so um, I'm, not, I'm obviously not a believer. I believe that there's mo- way more value to the community by having it the way it is. So. My name. My name is Ed Granger. Uh, scouting is a critical part of what operations of what you do, and, and from what I hear, I'm wondering if you're putting in sufficient resources to make it effective in terms of covering across the country and into the U.S. to find good players. It's got to be a critical part of your operation. It's, uh, it's uh, something that I know Brad's looking at now that it's solely his responsibility. Um, you mentioned the U.S., uh, much bigger talent pool than it was even five years ago. And uh, it's something we, we've only got two guys in the U.S. 
They're very regionalized. So our efforts in the U.S. have to increase pretty dramatically. I believe we've got a really good crew in Western Canada, uh, really good guys, experienced guys. But again, I'll say that that crew has, has changed pretty dramatically since Brad came on board. So again, we're just seeing the benefits of those guys. Um, so I, re I really believe in those guys. But the U.S. has to become a much bigger focus for us. And there is a cost associated to it. Gerald Wolbeck. Uh, what I'm wondering is, if you do sell the club, and uh, you value it as anywhere up to $9 million, who's going to get that money? It sounds to me like I should buy a share any time. <laughs> the uh, shares have no, have no value uh, to the shareholders. So what would happen if that ever came about was uh, there would have to be a foundation created, or, or, or quite honestly, the money could be uh, uh, put into a special fund of the Southern Alberta uh, Community Foundation, I believe it's called. So they could administer that money. So there would be a it would the money would stay in the community, would stay continue to benefit the community, if that ever happened. This will be our final question. Brian, we are drafting, or I shouldn't say we. The Western Hockey League drafts out of the Bantam draft, out of the boys that are 13, 14 years old. Any consideration that that would move up a year to the 15-year-olds? The Ontario League drafts midget players, 15-year-old players, a year old, later than we do. Um, uh, and so there's always discussion on this. Uh, it's a really tough line for us here because of our geographic uh, makeup. Ontario, for instance, you know, and numbers. Ontario has a much bigger population, a much bigger talent pool to draw from, okay? They're also dealing with only one basic education system, okay? So when a player gets traded from Oshawa to Guelph, he's still in the Ontario education system. And so it's much easier... Uh, in, in that situation than what we have to deal with. Our biggest challenge is, is making sure that our players' education is looked after. And so when you if you would draft a player in May and have him on your team in August, you don't have time, quite honestly, to get, him, to get all of those things lined up. It takes us a year, not us so much, because we're in a pretty good situation here. But if you think about a player from Manitoba going to Tri-Cities to play, the things that got to get lined up to make that happen, uh, you know, educational-wise, he's got to get this course in Manitoba, and he's got to get it at this time of the year so that he can transfer into Tri-Cities and get into grade 10 and make it all that happen. And so that's, that's one of the biggest reasons why we've, we've stuck to this system for the last seven or eight years because there's been quite a bit of pressure on us to move that thing, and it's about the player's education. Um, and, you know, likewise, when we get a, a player traded mid-season, um, uh, unfortunately, Adam Henry's done high school, but he's got traded to Seattle, Washington. Like that would be a huge transition to try and make that happen. And so we need we need to be far more prepared on the education side for our players than they do in the Ontario League. So that's one reason why we really stuck to our guns. So. What is the draft date? Fourteen. By when? When's the draft? They're, they're fourteen uh, by December of that year. So they're. So they're, they're, they're drafted after Bantam, yeah. at the end of Bantam. Awesome. 
I'm convinced the fighting question was a plant because everybody knows that Brian is against fighting in hockey. Uh, I'd like to thank these two. I'd like to thank everybody for showing up. Uh, I'd like Joe to remember the mind-boggling comment. Um, and you know what? There is another session next Thursday at noon, but there is also the special session Tuesday, 7 p.m. at the Galt Museum. Don't miss that if you're interested in great community discussion. I think that's what we had here today. And for two guys who get a, a rap as being completely inaccessible, I, I think we should just thank Brian and Brian for coming out today. And, and around for Lisa and, and for our, our kitchen crew who aren't out right now, but I think it was pretty good food. And thank you very much.